Hey everyone, welcome to the Made Sessions with cliffcentral.com. I hope that your year is off to a fantastic start. To Lisa Cindy, what's goodness? I don't understand the question. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, girl. Why are you so whack? What's good? What's cooking good looking? I'm not, I'm not that cool. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. (laughs) I'm not familiar. Friend, we're supposed to be working on that access, girl. (laughs) Be accessible, please. It's terrible. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, just, just test me with each show. I'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not finding you relatable at all. Uh, so last week, guys, we spoke about how the maid sessions has really been more of a think tank than anything else that's led to all kinds of, of innovations, which has led to a full on business, in fact. And that business is around rebuilding this institution as in domestic work and elevating it to its rightful place in our society and our economy. So we wanted to do a show to put you in the picture of the greater scope of what we do. Okay. So it's in my nature to make lists. (laughs) So I made a list. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we sort of going to unpack our company and just a list of what we think is, I guess, the most important components. And these components have shifted, I mean, you know, from whether being for-profit or non-profit to um, certain (laughs) projects that we tried and failed. So we're just going to sort of run down a list of how we've ultimately come to what we understand the company to be at the moment. And I know that all makes a lot of sense. Or at least it sounds like it does. But really, the journey has been more of a squiggle than a straight line. And we've kind of been making <laughs> sense of it as we go go along. It's easy, I think, in retrospect um, to kind of pinpoint like a pattern yeah. or understand how things happened. Um, but yeah, it's been more of a roller coaster. Mm, but we can get started with the name, how we got to the name. The name. The name is a very... <laughs> Controversial thing, uh, more controversial than we actually, we realized at the time. Uh, so Teliza has always said that she doesn't have any experience with domestic work because she's not South African and she's never had a domestic worker. Uh, yeah. so she doesn't even understand the connotations behind that name or of a stigma behind, um, even just the role, you know? I, I could imagine the stigma. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but I, d- I didn't know the, Stigma behind the term, the particular the actual term title, made. right? Yeah. Um, and it's not really even a South African title. And this is what, um, I've explained before is the reason that this title in South Africa has such negative connotations is because of apartheid. Mm. And because during apartheid, uh, black people were infantilized, right? They were made to be children in a sense, right? So men were called boys. And uh, women were called girls. And so the term maid has taken on those same connotations for black people in South Africa. Mm. Um, and that's why it's so it's more controversial here, I imagine, than it is in the rest of the world. But we didn't want to shy um, 
from using that word and from addressing that title. You know, because I think yeah. all too often people do. They think that they don't say something that it magically goes away, but it doesn't. Mm. But what we wanted to do was something, um, something more interesting with it and something evolutionary. We, what we certainly liked was the play on words between mm. made M-A-I-D and made M-A-D-E. Mm. But what is, I guess phenomenal about the term M-A-D-E is also the idea that things can be unmade, remade. Exactly. And, and that's what this role stands to do. You exactly. Know? So, so that's the great potential in it. And that's what we intend to do as, as a movement, as a company, um, mm. as an organization. Yeah. With not just that word, but the entire institution, right? Uh, we're in a process of trying to, to understand and to, to remake it. And so that's why we've put the I in, in brackets, which has also <laughs> been quite confusing for people. Yeah. I'm like, guys, <laughs> did you not take English 101? <laughs> Self-explanatory. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So our intention is that once we are satisfied that we've, we've kind of, completed that process or at least covered a lot of ground in remaking this institution that I will fall away and it will represent a, a turning point. And ultimately it just becomes an institution of production mm. of making of thoughts and making of, you know, innovative ways for the role to exist within our society. Yeah, for sure. And, but I think, you know, more than anything will always be about, Remaking. And on that point, actually, what have you uncovered as our purpose as a business? So I think it's grown. It's not, I mean, we had intentions. We had intentions and it has grown, but at the same time, it stayed the same. What I always knew before we actually realized it is that domestic work was a sleeping giant, right? It was this immensely powerful space that was undermined, overlooked. Um, and that so much of its value was still very dormant. So I knew there was a lot we had to uncover. And for me, that's always been our purpose is just to uncover and to share um, just how powerful this role is. I've always imagined the the potential to tip the economic scale. Mm. Um, I always imagine that it's very possible, mm. even though often it might seem improbable and you know, we, we've seen, I guess, in history how, you know, power, perceived power, perceived economic power has changed from maybe those that owned land were the powerful, mm. the economically powerful. And then those that owned industry mm. became the new economic powerhouse. And then, you know, now those that um, are in control of information, mm. you know, that's the new economic power. And, and so it, 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 it doesn't stand still. And that's what why I find that there's so much potential with what we're tapping into because it's already ingrained into our fabric. Absolutely. And that's, that's really where the potential lies. It's not like we're creating something from outside and trying but to implant the it. Best way. Mm. So what I found, I think quite meaningful is to first uncover it because it's something that I think I maybe knew as a concept, yes, it has that potential. And how any sort of power can also be associated to justice in, in order to be in a role where you cannot be exploited or in order to be in a role where you can truly be happy and pursue your dreams and that kind of stuff where you can, you know, build on your potential. But it can exist within a just 
setting. It doesn't, you know, things you don't need to disqualify someone else. But I also really believe in invisible markets and that's what we've discovered that this is as mm. we've kind of unpacked all the different things we can do with it. It's that people struggle to see beyond face, beyond face value. Um, and I think that's where I'm saying that almost having people have a very uh, superficial idea about any dem demographic makes it actually inherently powerful mm. because most of its, most of its value is, is, is undiscovered. And I mean, you'll, you'll realize that when we start to touch more specifically on, uh, the, the different innovations that we've come up with. Um, and actually that, that definitely contributed to why we decided to make it a for-profit mm. organization, which I, I mean, I don't even really call it an organization. It is a company um, rather than um, not-for-profit. Mm. And do you want to expand on that? I think that non-profits have a rep. There's a, they come with a certain social aesthetic and usually that's one that is needy. And I think that when people associate charity to something, they don't attribute value to it. And so we for sure never wanted to be undermined. And I think the minute people think that you're needy, no matter what you do, it stifles what they believe you can be. And so when they invest in you, they're not investing for a return. They're investing um, to help you. And they're not investing for their own economic interest. The reasons they invest are, you know, they're like, they're, they're almost, it, it's an emotional purchase. And as much as I think there's value in that, I think it can only go so far in growing your business. To, to be sustainable, I think you need to be profitable. And profit doesn't necessarily mean that someone's getting rich. It just means that your reserves and your resources are growing and so sustainability is a big thing that non-profits lack because they rely predominantly on donor funding and even when they don't i mean a lot of non-profits raise their own money not from donor funding but in, you know through other means but still that money is limited in terms of what it can do for the business because it all has to be reinvested in a very specific way. None of it can go out, which means that you can't make your own investments. The, the non-profit model is very counter to the way that we, we see the space because we see it ultimately not as something that is in need, but as something that can have economic value for our country. And I think more than anything, non-profits are seen to have social value and there might be re ripple effects that then lead to economic value but they're not they're not seen that way and so i think you know first of all we wanted to be sustainable second of all we wanted to be uh taken seriously but also we wanted to be autonomous and as a business logic because um you know as as we're making it more and more of i guess a legitimate business um, I guess one of the things that they always emphasize and highlight is, you know, you've got to have 
your roadmap. You've got to have your strategy. You've got to have your model. You've got to, you know, have your business plan, that kind of stuff. I mean, one of the things that I've enjoyed trying to understand is um, business models and how to create, you know, either sustainable, effective or innovative business model. And often they say that there's four key things that you need to answer um, who your target customer is, which for us was really, really difficult because we started with the made sessions. And often it's hard to track who your listeners are because for us it could be about our personalities or it could be about our topic matter or it could be about the way that we discuss these topics, you know, so that would determine who that target audience is. So Mm. it's almost like we're doing things the other way around. We weren't necessarily targeting someone or something Mm. and then speaking to that. It was sort of the other way around. We're sort of presenting what we had and then hoping to track what, what and who that invites. Um, And so we've had to, really sit down and try and understand who we're supposed to target. And because Made as a company has so many different um, projects that it does, the the target almost always changes. Mm. Um, Secondly, uh, something that's important to ask for business models, what do we offer? And that was, again, quite diverse. Um, Then how we create that value proposition and then how do we generate value? Now, one of the most, um, I think, intelligent advices that I've gotten about business model logic and how to make sure that you're, you know, I guess staying ahead of the curve, um, you are something that remains relevant in time, that kind of stuff, is to really understand what it means to create innovation within your model. And they say that if you change only two of those things, it often leads to something innovative. Mm. So not everything has to change. Not everything has to be, you know, reimagined or completely new. Mm. Um, it's simply, you know, sometimes giving exactly the same thing that people have wanted or needed and maybe giving it to them in a different way. That's or exactly. and so And so, yeah, what I've right. really enjoyed in trying to, like, really understand what it is that we are as a business mm is to understand those four cogs. If you think of our offering as domestic workers broadly, and you think about that role and how it cuts across our our society in so many different ways, and if you include cleaners in public spaces, commercial spaces, that's twice the potential. And currently, the only problem is that that value isn't being recognized do you know what i mean so all we essentially you know what makes us such such a beauty is really we need to take what exists um unearth it you know and 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 present it to people and then make it better uh which is it's something that i i quite like it's all it's, it's not like we suddenly have to turn domestic workers into astronauts you know um, they're already so strategically positioned in our society. That's not something that we could have paid for. And so I think a big part of it is just about making the institution over from a, from a marketing and a PR point of view, you know, and just making people look at everything that domestic workers do differently. Uh, and, and 
then attaching a value to that, a higher value to that rather. Yeah, and and ultimately what we've managed to get from that is to consistently change what we offer mm. and who our customers are. So all the different um, you know, product ranges that are coming out of made, sometimes it's for the employer. Mm. But it contributes to what the domestic worker is. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's for government, mm. um, greater society. So that constantly changes and that we've found... I mean, it's it's very far-reaching. And also what we've offered has managed to, to always evolve because of tapping into different industries mm. that we didn't, you know, that domestic work and cleaning and things hasn't always been able to or thought to tap into. For me, we want to kind of leave something to the imagination. So I suppose we're trying to talk about this in an abstract way. But when I realized the power of domestic workers... So I think when we said business initially, people thought, okay, you're targeting domestic workers. Their spend is limited, right? In terms of um, their economic capacity, that's not a lucrative market. And that's true because we haven't reached a stage as a society where we're paying them what's due to them, which should be like quadruple, if not more, right? So yes, um, as working class women their spending capacity is small. But what we've tapped into is their influence. And if you think about how a domestic, if there's over a million domestic workers in South Africa, and those are the ones that are documented, they're even more, that are undocumented because many of these women are foreign and they can't get papers. If just those million domestic workers are responsible for two households, being their household as well as their employers, their circle of care and influence is enormous. And women, and this is an economic fact, women have more spending influence than men do, right? By, by far. Like by far. 91% <laughs> of spending in our so, country. And that's yeah. any woman, right? Now, domestic workers, because they account for two households, and sometimes more than two households, potentially have more than that. And literally, all we have to do is to convince people <laughs> that they're they're experts and that um they can be a resource both to companies and employers spending choices and that they already are and you that can, they already you can are. actually already map and track how family spending or corporate spending is influenced by them because more than anyone they observe our consumption and our waste Right, both in our households and in in workplaces. Just <laughs> the funny thing is, just simply being responsible for removing someone's garbage, right, or cleaning someone's garbage, makes you an expert on waste. To be an expert on waste makes you an expert on consumption. These are remarkable insights. And um, actually, as you as you talk of that now, <laughs> do you want to unpack some of the interventions that we did try? You know, with having insights like that, for instance, about you know where domestic workers have a larger impact than we realize. We did maidenomics with um, a financial analyst who we've also partnered with, and she was excited about the space because uh, we'd 
done a show called More Money, More Problems, where we realized actually that domestics are, are experts on household budgeting, right? Because they know that they know what you need before you do. And they know what works and what doesn't work. And actually, when it comes to many things, I think um, you will trust your domestic worker before you trust yourself. What brand of, first of all, cleaning products, what brands of cleaning products work, right? Um, if you think about, I don't know, linen, bedding, uh, if you think about food, all of those things that she manages, uh, if if she gives you feedback on maintaining them, you will trust that feedback. And as a result, you will go with certain products. And so Nikki was very excited about the idea of teaching domestic workers and their employers household budgeting so that they could collaborate because she also commented on how good domestic workers are with their money because they earn so little. And if you send your domestic worker to Woolworths with 2000 rand, she'll bring you back twice the things that you would have bought or she'll bring you back change for the shopping list. Whereas you would have probably gone and squandered the 2000 rand and actually had to leave things in the trolley. And so just, I mean, just from that perspective, if you make domestic workers, if you train them up to be household financial advisors and almost experts in that sense, uh, that is, that is a very, valuable service definitely and um that's still underway so we're in the process of making that happen but there has been many uh failed ones or <laughs> things that have been put on hold as well i mean we attempted trying to do things like public theater <laughs> the most difficult thing about this space even though we're grateful for how strategically valuable it is is that 90 percent of our job is going to be changing people's minds um it's going to be remarketing the space. It's going to be uh, a lot of PR. That's very difficult because for this project to thrive, we almost have to change the context. And I mean that in the sense that it is so normal for people not to see the inherent value in domestic workers. Um, and that poses a, a huge a huge challenge because I think most innovations or businesses thrive on an existing context, right? Um, or even maybe slightly altering a, a status quo, but to have to entirely change a status quo for your product to thrive is incredibly difficult. So what we wanted to start with and, and what we did was activism, and that's where the ideas around public theater and campaigning came from. One of the reasons why we didn't quite go with it as we did. I mean, it was one of the first ideas that we had, but our personalities are just not conducive to it. We <laughs> really struggled with public display and just, um, I guess, I mean, we've said a couple of times how introverted in nature we are. So we have in time as well learned how to be comfortable with what our strengths are. And where we'll really, really thrive. And um, that's where our talents lie. So it doesn't mean that those sorts of things won't happen. It will just, its model will just be a little bit different and not hinging necessarily on us. You know, we wanted to go out and we wanted to like occupy spaces. 
um, we wanted to wear domestic worker uniform and, and go and, and sit in restaurants and go to hotels and to clubs and to places where socially or in, from a classist point of view, domestic workers were not seen to be accepted mm, or to, to, to fit in mm. just to make them less invisible and to make people rethink um, the way that they see their their role and their position in our society uh, because a big part of our, our job has just been to make people see domestic workers you know so we wanted to I mean we wanted to stand at the traffic lights we wanted to ask uh, people we wanted to ask our peers and um, almost you know we want to we wanted to go into public and ask people to wear the domestic work or if they would wear the domestic worker uniform and do um a campaign around that, but yeah, we wanted to create unusual <laughs> situations in restaurants, maybe like the restaurant of a five star hotel or, you know, things like that. Again, just where it would be unseeming enough for, for attention to, to arise because, um, you know, again, in with a role that is so invisible, sometimes a lot of effort has to be made in order to. Have have it visible again. Yeah, but it's it's incredibly it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for us, and it's uncomfortable for for people. Um, then we wanted to do a reality show with it. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to. Oh my god, we wanted to uh, identify five domestic workers that were complete rock stars, um, and have them like run around Joburg doing fabulous things and we wanted them to walk around with bodyguards and we wanted the bodyguards to push like their prams and carry their shopping we wanted them to go into um <laughs> we wanted them to go into into shops and like demand service and try on clothes we wanted them to do all kinds of daring things you know we wanted to put them in in Ferraris and things like that just to challenge um the stigma and and uh, to challenge their position and again to make people uncomfortable but i think what we realized is that that wasn't realistic first of all because we weren't confident enough to do it second of all because you know as much as we see domestic workers as rock stars in our heads our biggest challenge has been to build rapport with them a as in trust right for them to actually trust us enough to open up. And then secondly, to try and challenge the stigma that they feel, you know. Um, and what it actually did was get us to um, Dear Madam. Yeah. Where we <laughs> took, took a step back, mm. uh, put our assumptions aside and asked questions, mm. lots of them. Mm. And that got us to Dear Madam, the letter two madams by domestic workers yes, with uh, all their thoughts, all their concerns and with love. And with love. It was, it, it did incredibly well. I mean, you remember the stats better than I did. Yeah. Well, they were, I mean, I think I can safely say about almost 300 shares mm. on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, and there were a couple of, of different publications that asked us to, to, um, feature us as well Yeah but funny enough <laughs> All of that attention then Kind of Fizzled out Like it was there but it wasn't there So we'd hoped that this thing would be a conversation starter And people seemed interested 
interested. I mean, we had over a thousand views. In fact, over, oh gosh, we had almost 10,000. It was, we had so many views, but no one was talking about it. And again, that speaks to just how uncomfortable people are around this topic. Um, and so the interest might be there, but first and foremost, we've got to get people to, to step up. Uh, well, I mean, ultimately, actually, it made us start really trying to understand what incentives look like mm. <laughs> with what we're asking of people. Mm. You know, once you see it, what are we asking of you mm. and what will incentivize you to engage with it? Yeah. I think the hardest thing is to create a, a business and to create economic value out of a space that is not only rejected, but that carries a lot of guilt where in order for people to support us, they first have to admit what's wrong. And that means they need to admit to themselves that they've done this space and injustice. They need to admit first that they don't see the value in their domestic workers and that they're willing to change their minds. So I think that arrests a lot of the support that we could be getting. It's not that people aren't willing. It's just, unfortunately, that means they have to look in the mirror and say, look, I haven't been doing right by my domestic worker, you know? But at the same time, because, again, it's a hard thing to confront that sort of reality, Mm. um, it can also be looked at, you know, an industry that's been inherited as Mm. an exploited one. Mm. You know, sometimes you can just continue exploitative Mm. um, actions because that's what you're used to, everyone else doing around you and that kind of stuff. So um, if we we can understand it for what it is that we inherited – then I think we can also, you know, acknowledge that stuff and then put it aside long enough to see the greater potential in it. And I mean, with that, what we did get as well with Dear Madam was support <laughs> yes. from the likes of Yvonne Chaka Chaka. And over time, we really built, um, I think, some significant support investors mm-hmm. um, and just really wonderful networks that don't just, that aren't just here for, uh, profit-making purposes, mm. but also really just inherently believe in why it is that we're doing what we're doing and where they believe that it can go. No, it's true. And uh, finally, we have, I think, all of, of the partners we need to really make a bang out of this. I mean, the likes of Yvonne Chaka Chaka, Cliff Central has been amazing. Um, we've partnered with a, an advertising agency, and it's actually more of an R&D agency called WWW, What Women Want, and um, they've invested a lot in us and because they think this is like one of the biggest undiscovered or untapped female markets um, potentially in the world, right? Mm. Um, and then we have the University of Johannesburg. Um, fashion working, department. The fashion department working on, on redesigning the domestic worker uniform. Um, so, so well engaged. It's amazing. Beautiful. They've actually built it into the curriculum and mm. um, actually produced uh, the designs already. We're going to be reviewing those and then we're going to have a massive catwalk event mm. where we release those designs and um, we've been able to get an interest in sponsorship um, from cleaning companies that I won't mention <laughs> washing powder washing powder brands that I won't m- mention um, and yes like I mentioned earlier on Nikki the financial analyst she has a financial what do you call her company like a oh, um, <laughs> they give financial advice she's got a firm or something <laughs> anyway uh, she's offered to put together the course for um 
the household budgeting. Mm. And yes, uh, a, a and, huge network from And also Mad. Penny uh, Penny from Mad Domestic from Watching. Domestic huge Watch. network. Her she she does crime prevention training across Johannesburg, twenty six different suburbs. It's very effective her her program and we're actually gonna have her on the show more often. So yes, we've you know we've we've come a long way. And with building that actually with building a network not again just for the purpose of making money and making this business thrive. It's really also helped us cement what we are absolutely not going to do. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and for one, we will never become a charity. Mm. Absolutely. Um, but also things like, um, exploitation and, and we also have really promised that we won't become exploited. Exactly. Exploitive, especially because, um, I think it's, like you, you can see where the money lies. Exactly. And it's, it's, I think very easy to make money off the backs of these stories. Mm. And, and then the change potential. nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And so we, we sort of insist and refuse to leave this space without actually contributing significantly to what it is as, you know, a part of society. Mm. And then also, you know, the profits that come go significantly to the domestic worker network and sections in, in society, be it the unions, whatever it is. Basically, we want to turn <laughs> this institution into um, a huge economic industry um, that rivals in future the likes of, of mining and, and agriculture and that really benefits our country and and the world, both from a social and an economic point of view. And for that reason, we cannot and will not dumb down. Or divulge our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Just yet. Um, because this is no small feat. We're not trying to be... We're not, you know, we're not just trying to change its brand. Mm. We, you know, we're literally trying to change different markets and the way that they engage with it. And so we just really can't afford to take away everything that is enriching it. Yes. Absolutely. And with that, uh, hopefully, hopefully that helps you understand a bit better just how much bigger what we're doing is. Uh, look, we'll continue to explain along the way, but we, we wanted to start to bring you into the picture and, and to, I guess, explain why we, we treat everything with such gravity, you know, and why this isn't just a show about domestic workers and their stories and what they know about their employers. And their, their marriages and their kids, but it's, it's actually, we have to grapple with ideology because we're, we're trying to change a mindset and we're trying to change a, a status quo. And we hope that you have begun to appreciate that. Uh, we'll continue to have fun, but we'll never leave that piece out of the fun. Mm, and, and with that, we also promise to include every kind of citizen that we, do we are cognizant that we are very, very different, different experiences of the role and different experiences within our society. So we also really want to make sure that, you know, every single idea that we're trying to unpack, that we're trying to unpack it in, in as diverse a way as we possibly can with really understanding every different side of the story. And yeah, with that, thank you so much. Groovy. And we look so forward to introducing again very slowly all the different things that we're working on as they you know get a little bit more refined and ready to be put out there 
Um, but for the moment, please make sure to follow our Twitter page. That's at Made Project, M-A-I-D-E Project, as well as our Facebook page, which is The Made Sessions. Have a very wonderful evening and speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. Cliff Central Revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.